Good morning, everyone. My name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neotechnology, and here we are again recording a remote session for our Graph Database podcast. I'm joined today uh, from uh, Sweden. Peter Neubauer is uh, on the other side of the line. Hi, Peter. Hi, Rick. Hey. Yeah, it's good to good good to be on the phone with you again. It's been a while. <laughs> huh? um, yeah, Peter. So, if you don't mind, um, as most people will know you, but would you, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit for the people that don't know you yet? Yes. Um, regarding Neo4j, I'm one of the three founders of Neo4j, together with Emil and Johan, who are currently working at Neo Technology. Um, actually, it was us three who uh, came up with the first version back in 2002. Uh, and, and, and wrote the first uh, version that went into production. That's a long time ago, huh? <laughs> That's a long time ago. Yes, 13 years. Absolutely, yeah. And it's been a, it's been quite a ride. How did it start, Peter? How did you guys get into Neo, and where did it come from? Uh, it did start with us having uh, having written or gotten into content management systems, and uh, we were at that point managing uh, images and and one of the major problems there was that every photographer and every picture agency had their own um, rights management for when the images could be licenses to whom to in which country and so on so there was a lot of business logic about that and um, modeling that in uh, what then was informix universal server our database that was one of the most capable database engines at the time uh, an object relational you know database engine didn't they um, get acquired by IBM informix they did right yes they did they did yeah. uh, and, and this was the last version 9, 9.14 that came out before they were acquired um, okay. and, uh, and we were trying to model our business logic in that engine and it just didn't scale we we got into like five six joins and and even with the at the time, modest data in that database, uh, it was just you know taking ages, like minutes, to get uh, to get answers back, and that's not good enough for a for a backend that needs to serve on the web. Oh, wow. So, um, so at that point, we uh, examined our system architecture and, and found out that the database was the bottleneck, and we we also at that point had some of the data blades or or, or plugins to Informix, and one of them. Uh, was dealing with uh, uh, semantic uh, words for translation, uh, namely WordNet, a semantic initiative to structure the, the uh, English language. And that kind of uh, uh, projected a network model of these connected words like hypernames and synonyms and you know concepts into the database. And, uh, and we saw that and thought like this is this is a very interesting approach to, to model data, it's very close to to the UML diagrams and so on. If you translate it to our domain, yeah. so so we tested that plugin for our domain just to see if the model fit, and it did. However, it was still slow. So so since it was such a beautiful match, we we then went about and actually wrote a at that point a Java Enterprise uh, Java Beans 1.0 implementation over Postgres that modeled that kind of structure. What is now, and, and that actually had the first kind of Java version of what is now the Neo4j API oh, no already fleshed out. And is, is, did you call it a graph API at the time, or did you call it no, a graph no, database no. at the time, or what, what did you call it at the time? And, and we called it a, a network database or network engine, and that's where, where Neo party comes from. Of course, the matrix was very popular back then. <laughs> 
uh, but but it also stands for network engine of course so we had to make it work <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but one of the projects that I first worked on was a project for DHL, which was also using Informix data blades. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, so this was a very good database. Yeah, I, absolutely. I like Super. So, um, so, so, w w where are you now, uh, Peter? What are you doing now? You're working for a new startup, right? Mapillary? Yes. Uh, I left Neo Technology uh, last year, uh, mostly because I found, you know, I'm, I'm an early startup guy and, and Neo4j Neo has, a, has a big, you know, group of followers now and, and uh, there's so much activity around it. So my feeling was that, that you know, I can invest my, my, my time in something that is, that is, again, almost impossible. So. Uh, I joined Mapillary as a co-founder, yeah. and uh, uh, and the vision there is to to do a visual representation of the whole Earth, possibly with uh, even a 3D model connected to it. Wow. So so that's what we're doing. People are submitting uh, basically thousands and thousands of images taken by their smartphones or action cameras and so, yep. and we in the background do a lot of computer vision and analytics on on this uh, on this data, and we connect the images into what you could describe a, a big global giant graph of visual information. Wow. So, so Neo4j is an essential part of the architecture there. Oh, is it? What, what, what do you use it for? What do you use Neo for? We use it for uh, like connecting the analyzed images, both in, in, in space, for instance. So you have explicit connection between one image and the, and the nearest images in different directions. Uh, and then even uh, connect... Uh, uh, computed um, uh, visual connections. For instance, one image overlapping another image. So, so if two images look at the same, you know, view of the turning torso, then we will know it, and we will actually create a connection in that image graph. In, like, from this image, you have to, uh, you can translate the object turning torso into something that that can merge into the other. So we know how to how to project and we even store the 3D point cloud uh, of, of these objects in Neo4j, uh, or at least references in, uh, to in, in Neo4j. So, so the whole navigational logic, uh, if, you, if you then want to construct, for instance, a street view from these millions of images, uh, is done in Neo4j because it's perfect, uh, it's perfect use cases for Neo4j. Basically fetch all the, uh, all the connected images in a kind of a vicinity of say a connected images depth three or four or thirty, if you are going fast forward, right? Um, Prefetch these into a local graph in JavaScript um, and uh, do that along certain rules while you are traversing the backend graph. For instance, you know time filtering or filtering just certain uh, certain color shades or or certain directions, wow. or you know whatnot. Super. So that's really really interesting. I think people can get involved with the Mapillary project as well, right? There's like a, an app that yes. you can download and that you can um, participate in the project, right? Yes. Anyone can submit pictures and anyone can help improve the data. It's like it's like OpenStreetMap or Wikipedia. Yep. So you can you can uh, improve even for instance street sign detections and object detections that we do in the images and and feedback to for instance the OpenStreetMap project and to Wikimedia. Yes. Super cool.
So, Peter, maybe one more question, and uh, because we keep these podcasts quite snappy, um, you know, where 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 is this going? Where is Mapillary going? Where is Groira Graphs going? You know, any any vision on that? Uh, do you mind sharing that? Yeah, I think I think the the concept of connected data is growing a lot, and and people are uh, expecting and willing to put in much more effort into making data connected, and that is not just on the global linked data initiative uh, level, but even on, you know, pragmatic in-system level. So, so where I see graphs going is that they approach enterprise-grade enterprise, enterprise -grade data, uh, even, uh, even in, in, in normal installations. And, uh, and as we see it here with, with uh, a lot of developments in virtualizing hardware, and so uh, you can partly build bigger uh, um, monolithic kind of graph blobs. In, in Mapillary we have now over one billion properties in, in the database um, within one year. Um, that is one thing. The hardware is letting you scaling up these installations quite a lot, so you can scale up quite easily. Um, and the other thing is that that sharding graphs will be the forefront of, of you know, data science. Um, yeah. That is one of the remaining kind of challenges with graphs they are very easy to to query and so on but but sharding them is uh, is not trivial so difficult it, yeah yeah it's difficult yeah yeah so we, i mean I'm, i'm sure you've heard of uh, the, the work that jim weber and, and co ha, yes. have been doing on that so um, and we are really in the middle of of uh, of um, sort of uh, starting that project again and and uh, and uh, making some good progress there yeah i'm really excited about it right now in, in mapillary we will go for bounding boxes yep. uh, and shard by by geography uh, and, and if you have a domain that that lets you shard in a kind of like Uh, in interesting way then then you can do this already now uh, but exactly. auto sharding would be awesome super peter thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was a pleasure to talk to you again i really appreciate it i wish you so much uh, luck and pleasure and and drive it at mapillary and uh, thanks again i look forward to speaking to you soon no problem nice to talk to you too Rick. Okay, cheers <laughs>